My name's Adele Onyango and welcome to another episode of Legally Clueless. No, seriously, I have no clue what I'm doing, but I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. Hi, welcome to episode 110 of Legally Clueless. Thanks for rocking with this podcast. If you are new to the family, welcome, welcome, welcome. Remember, you can join us on Twitter. Just use the hashtag Legally Clueless. I will find you. (laughs) And on Instagram, we're at Legally Clueless podcast and on youtube because we have the video series ongoing you can find us at legally clueless the links to all of those pages are in the description of this episode if this is not your first time thank you for rocking with this podcast the community is growing and i'm so thankful i'm really excited about the story you will hear in this episode because of how inspiring it is but because it references suicide i do know that's something that could be very triggering so in case you're not in the space where you can absorb conversations around that, you may want to give this episode a pass because the story featured definitely highlights that. And so does the teaser of the story, which I'm just about to play. But I just never seemed satisfied. It led me down a dark path because at some point in time, I tried to take my life. So when I was in South Africa, therapy became mandatory because number one, I was an international student. I'm not lying to you, Adele. Like I left that session like I was. I was on cloud nine. And then she said that I would like you to continue therapy sessions. And I was like, hey, if I'm going to feel like this, hey, no problem there's a lot of stigma and then there are a lot of questions and of course like my mom you know like immediately i landed at the airport she's like let me see let me see a booty move and i was like um no 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 it will come in its time so of course the questions of why would you want to do it i, I started training guys no fee and anything i mean so guys would come blah 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 and then somebody started asking me like how much do you charge um we've been blessed that trifit has gotten to that point where it's almost a household name in the in the triathlon industry in kenya i i feel like i found my my purpose. I mean, I have some clients who couldn't walk and Adele, these are guys now who cycle 180 kilometers. The storyteller's name is Michael and we'll get to his story a little later in this episode. I hope you're doing well. I have found two things, which I've been doing before, but I found that they've really helped me navigate the past week's madness and also... Just as I shared in the last episode, the dark thoughts that I was having this past week, those thoughts really did reduce drastically, but I was anal about everything that I was meant to do. And I also had like a really good session with my therapist. So the two things, let me get back to that. The two things that I've been doing more of is journaling, which I've always sworn by, but for some reason, I just kind of lacked the energy to jot down any of the thoughts in my head. Also, because there were such dark thoughts that seeing them on paper was a bit scary. I don't know if that makes sense to you, but it was like, oh my God, is that really what I'm thinking? (laughs) Like, what does this really mean? And that was also one of the reasons I hesitated in sharing those thoughts with people around me well people being foul and like a close friend even when I, I'd share them I'd be like I'm having some really dark thoughts and I wouldn't go into the intricacies just because the thoughts were freaking me out so I didn't want to freak out the people around me but with time I have been more honest about them especially with the people I feel safe 
around. So yeah, so journaling got back heavy on that tip this week and then breathing exercises. So I normally do a lot of my breathing exercises in the car. I, hmm, it's interesting. I'm not too sure why, but whenever I'm having like crazy anxiety, like I did on Friday morning, it's always caught me when I'm like either driving to a meeting or something. So I found myself doing a lot of my breathing exercises in the car. But now... (laughs) On Friday, I was like trying to do my breathing exercises while having my mask on, which (sighs) just does not work. But I had to keep my mask on because I just read the story of, you know, Kenyan cops are just irrational. So I'd read a story of this guy getting arrested because he didn't have his mask on in his car and he was driving alone. (laughs) So I was just like, okay, you know what? I have to like take it off, do my breathing exercises, put it back on really quick. But it helped. I managed to go for my meeting and ended up having a really good meeting, which was with my trace people because it's almost a year since Legally Clueless was syndicated on Trace. So on the 7th of May, we hit one year of Legally Clueless on Trace Radio in Kenya, which is super exciting. What's even more exciting is that they want to continue the partnership because you always have those, maybe that's where the anxiety is coming from, I'm not sure. But you always are like, are they enjoying this partnership? (laughs) So the meeting went well. But yeah, my breathing exercises in Corona times... are a bit restricted by the masks, but we have to keep safe. But I'm also super excited because tomorrow, obviously I'm recording this on Sunday, which is my production day. Tomorrow I'm going on my timeout. So remember in January, I went on a solo trip. That one was mainly for me to get a lot of poetry written, which I did. But I also did enjoy just the change of environment, the reconnecting with myself. I really enjoyed it. And I remember saying to you that I want to do this every three months. Well, here we are. (laughs) So tomorrow I am going for my next trip. It's not going to be a solo trip because I do want to film it, but it's in a remote area (laughs) and it's in a space where I can, to some extent, switch off. Because the thing that's hard when you're either an entrepreneur or a freelancer or running things yourself or anything that is not employed is that it's hard to completely switch off because clients can reach out to you at any point in time because it's business. You know, it's kind of hard to be like, ah, I'm resting. <laughs> you know, if I had another member of staff, it would be easy to kind of completely switch off. Would it be easy? <sighs> I say that, but I'm a control freak, so I'm not sure. I'll see when I get there. But now that I'm alone, it's hard because, yeah, I'm alone. (laughs) And the business needs to pay certain costs. So there's certain things that I have to do weekly. But I'm hoping that having a change of environment, I've bought like really good books that I want to go and read. Obviously, I'm carrying my writing laptop so I can maybe squeeze in a bit of writing, but I'm not going to be anal about it because I really just want to breathe and rest. I'm just excited that I get to have a change of environment this week. So super excited. And also I'm happy that I'm doing this. Like I said, I want to do it every three to four months and I'm actually doing it. I actually committed to putting aside a little bit of money to be able to allow me to do this every three to four months. So what I do is now when I come back, I'll start again for three to four months, putting aside some money so that on the fourth month or the third month, I'm able to just like get a change of environment. Yeah, so I'm excited. Okay, so let's jump into the song of the week. I really like the song because of how it starts. 
So it starts with a sound that actually wakes me up. I'm very fortunate that while still living in the concrete jungle that is Nairobi, and there's many things wrong with the area that we live in, but every morning between 5 a.m. and probably 6.30 or even sometimes 7, the birds, oh my God, the sound of the birds. It's like they're having multiple choirs. <laughs> it sounds so beautiful to me, but maybe they've been like beefing with each other, but it sounds so beautiful in the morning. So this particular song starts with the sound of birds chirping. It's so beautiful. It's just such a beautiful song, not even in terms of the lyrics, because I'm not even sure I connect with any of the lyrics, but there's some vibe in the song that I love. And it's by Erica Badu featuring Andre 3000. The name of the song is Hello. So I'm going to put a link to it in the description of this episode so you can check it out. <sighs> you know what I love doing when I'm listening to the song is like, so I'll play it on my Bluetooth speaker, sit in the corner of our balcony with hibiscus tea and just like people watch. <laughs> and uh, it's just a very calming song. I hope it has the same effect on you. All right, let's jump into 100 African Stories. As I said earlier on in this episode, the storyteller is Mikey, aka Michael. So Michael has, it's so interesting. Michael was in university with my partner, Fal. They were in South Africa together. I believe at one point they lived together while in South Africa. I'm not sure I could be lying and they'll listen to this and be like, you never listen to our stories. But I think they lived together at a point because they were in the same university. And then it's such a small world. Turns out I was in the same class in primary school with Michael's sister, Anita. Yeah, such a tiny world. Anyway, so Michael has set up a fantastic triathlon fitness company called Team TriFit. Obviously, I don't participate <laughs> in the grilling sport that is triathlons, but Fal has done quite a few triathlons in the past. Our house is full of bicycles everywhere. They're literally bicycle, what are these things? Tires. <laughs> at my feet right now. Ah, he started storing them in my office. It's so irritating. But wow, I have gone on a tangent. Anyway, back to Michael. He talks about looking for purpose and a very dark moment in his life when he felt like he couldn't find it that culminated in him trying to take his life and then him coming back home, trying to find that purpose still and then finding it in triathlons and his fitness company. A hundred African stories on Legally Clueless. Stories from Africa. My name is Michael Maranga Awara, born, raised, currently living in Nairobi, Kenya. I am a triathlete by hobby. I'm a triathlon coach and public relations practitioner and consultant uh, by profession. And uh, I'm a man of God by calling. I came to realize that I'm actually living a daydream that I had maybe 2011. And uh, I used to work for my mom. She, was, she runs a PR consultancy. I remember I was watching, because I, I, I was a triathlete uh, then, like a very active one. Now I'm just like a regular Joe triathlete. But I was very active and things like that, you know, racing. Com trying to race competitively and I remember I was in the office and I was watching this video and there's um, this top triathlete in the world he's called Jan Fredino 
and like you see him at midday he's like running through the park and i was like man look he's going for a swim and then he's like he's going to go for a run then he's going to sleep at 2 p.m. i'm just going to be on this desk holding in my fart because I, <laughs> it was an open space and i was like i need that life i actually loved my job at the time um, i mean number one I was working for my mom my mom is she's a she was a hard boss um, but she also gave you free reign to do whatever you want and i mean i was doing communication i studied communication i mean you're in your 20s you know you're either flying to uganda or flying to mombasa you're working with this corporate that corporate you're you're doing your best to create policies and strategies that will actually have long term impact so it was a fantastic thing but you see at the end of the day all the clients i had was like how much money will the client make and it gets to a point in your life where whether you like it or not you you're yearning for something more you want you want to give back um and i think that's where like i would like to say my my journey in faith started because i i just didn't have the satisfaction that everyone around me seemed to have and i started getting it from triathlon because i'd finish the race and i'd be happy and i'm thinking you're in your beautiful places you're at the coast um if you're lucky and budget was there you travel to south africa and things like that so it it was a fantastic opportunity being in the corporate world but i just yearned for something more you know my my roommate in uni um shout out to you falgun wherever you are actually did human movement science so i used to like steal his books uh well now you know you never knew but now you know <laughs> i steal his books like read and stuff like that i used to ride his bicycle wear his um triathlon <laughs> swimsuit uh much to his dismay but because i used to cook for him <laughs> he couldn't say anything <laughs> so i was actually studying pr and communication but by virtue of of that we were we were somewhat interlinked that season of university literally changed my life i think even then maybe my 20s was an entire season of looking for yourself i i i was for the first time in my life i was on the dean's list and not for making noise in class <laughs> it was actually for doing well and i won this golden key on i mean i got onto the golden key honors uh, roll and stuff like that uh we had started this dj company and you know we like had some of the mm, hottest i put that in very bold quotes hottest parties and stuff like that but i just never seemed satisfied and it led me down a dark path because at some point in time i wanted to, i tried to take my life and i was like yo okay i like to make a joke uh my mom doesn't like it uh but uh i always say that i tried and then god was like nah bruv i got some work for you down there you need to you need to go and and stay there and that was like what 2006 given the opportunity uh, i'd like to say thank you to silas you know thank you to falgun you know they they stood by me they took my shenanigans you you know they supported me they they agreed and disagreed with me um and then of course shipped me back to kenya <laughs> when i when i landed in kenya ironically it was you know um the funniest thing was that get get your head right get into a good space heal and then go back to uni Let, let's say that didn't happen i think the uni is still waiting for me to come <laughs> So luckily uh, when I came back I, I would like to say I started from the bottom my friend gave me a job uh, he as as a waiter at their restaurant so it was a good when I look back it was a fantastic opportunity because it helped me build my confidence because you have to talk to people you have to interact and there's one thing my my counselor and my therapist told me then it's like Michael you're very used to bottling things up being here on uh, legally clueless is testament to that having shed that because naturally i would have never had this conversation with people i would have tried to bottle it in and things like that so my therapist said 
that um, she actually gave me very scary t- statistics. And that was, what, 2006, seven, And she was like, uh, I'm surprised you got to 24 because people who've gone through what you've gone through um, are generally attempt to take their life or sometimes, unfortunately, succeed maybe 16, 17, 18. Um, yeah, and then when I came back, I was still yearning for that desire to impact. And then my mom was like, I'll give you a job. You're going to earn less than what you're earning now, but it will give you exposure to something different. So I took it head on. I remember uh, I went to work in an untucked shirt, sneakers, and uh, a formal trouser. And my mom gave me an advance, and she said, please go and buy proper clothes. (laughs) Still remember that, mom. And I think that's when the, the corporate quote-unquote corporate journey started now this is the funniest thing so when i was in south africa um therapy became mandatory because number one i was an international student i went to hospital by virtue of uh, the prevailing laws of the land at that time i would have found myself in a tricky situation so the doctors were kind enough and said we've we've done a quick analysis and he seems okay but we would like him to go and see this therapist tomorrow at nine o'clock and then from there once she gives her evaluation we'll know what to do going forward so i was taken to uh a proper um, a proper institution and uh, they took me for a grand tour and and I think that's when I realized that yes uh, I do have challenges and I, I say that because everybody has challenges unique to them so I, I don't want to look at somebody else and be like yo man I don't have challenges other people have challenges because that guy could be looking at me and saying yo that guy has problems if he's not in a straight jacket <laughs> then him he's he's lost he's done so I, I went for therapy and I think that was to date that was my longest session ever because I think it was five five and a half hours like she literally canceled all her sessions and stuff like that and we we sat down because she said every rolling hour it was she she loved it because it was undoing a ball of thread and she was like I just want you to unpack and unpack and I was crying and and all these things that I didn't know that existed inside me like literally just started coming out so maybe I just needed the platform to candidly and openly share and i'm not lying to you adele like i left that session like i was i was i was on cloud nine like i was like yo and she said yes you've you've released and she said from there i now if you feel something speak share find somebody to talk to call me blah 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 and then she said that i would like you to continue therapy sessions and i was like hey, if i'm gonna feel like this hey no problem and the best thing about the uni was that they actually had uh, psychology as a course and she said since you're in you're in a fantastic university go and speak to this doctor who is actually a lecturer and she can continue with your sessions and we continued and it was good um, it was very it was very i mean to date i always encourage Every man that I interact with at any given point in time. Like if you have the opportunity, you know, man and woman, children, you know, talk to a counselor, talk to a therapist. There is a lot that we have inside us that we don't know affects how we interact and react to things. So when I came back, I took a break um, so from therapy uh, because I, I felt like I was okay. Now, this is the funniest thing. When you come from a... Let me call it a bed of suicide. There's a lot of there's a lot of stigma, and then there are a lot of questions. And of course, like my mom, you know, like immediately I landed at the airport. She's like, "Let me see, let me see, Abu remove." And I was like, um, "No, no, no, it will come in its time." So of course, the questions of why would you want to do it? You know, you're blessed, you have everything, and and I kept giving examples of you know top top line celebrities. He has the money, he has the cars, he has the jewelry, he has 
the the wife, the kids, but they're still taking their lives. So they have everything. And as 2000 rolled into 2000, 2007 rolled into 2008 and nine and things like that, I just came to realize, yes, you have um, you you have the things that society deems as important, but then you're still not happy. And so I, I started looking for fulfillment, affirmation and all these things in up for me because now because of my work in faith now i would like to call them vices so like you go partying and you'd want to be the coolest guy coolest guy at the party loudest guy at the party you want to have the hottest girlfriend um you know you want to be the one buying the bottles or you want to be the one driving the latest car uh, not considering that time i had a toyota so i don't know what latest car was driving <laughs> it was also not the latest toyota so fast forward to i think maybe like 2014 is when I started therapy again. And I don't want to say it was because of, uh, it was not because of a dark time. It was actually because of a bright time in my life. But it was a situation that I couldn't enjoy. That, that was now my struggle. And so I went to, this was the funniest part. So 2014, uh, I called this guy. I'm like, hi, how are you? Um, you remember uh, we met on this and this day. Now I'm in this situation. So can you talk to these friends of mine and can you talk uh you know men it's either money or women so can you talk to that chick so that she can calm down and then like we can figure out this story to date his his he is literally a father figure in my life um so i thank god for him and and, and i love him today so shout out to you edwin kiptinis wherever you are he listened to me. I'll never forget. I was driving on Arings Kodek Road. There was some funny Chinese restaurant where now Quick Mart is. And I called him. I'm like, yo, I know I'm sobbing. And I'm like, I need your help, man. You know, I can't believe this has happened to me. And we, I literally parked on the road for three hours. It didn't beat the five hours. <laughs> it was three hours. And he listened and he listened. You know, like I'd run out of airtime, top up again, call. And he's like, just listen. He'd listen. And he said, okay, fine. So after that, I went for a session at his clinic. And, 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 and we sat and we talked. And he was quite, and he's just listening. And he's like, uh-huh. Okay. And then he asked me one question that just floored me. And he's like, so let me ask you, what do you think you did to contribute to the situation that you're in? And I'm like, haven't you been listening to me for the last three hours? What's wrong? What? what? <laughs> I told you she has done this, she has done that. My mother did this, my father did this, my sister. It's like, do you think your father, your mother, you know, your sisters, your brothers, maybe had expectations of you that you didn't meet, um, had goals for you that you didn't meet, and then now... Here we are. So do you think maybe your desire to take your life influenced how they act and react around you? And at that moment, I'm not going to lie to you, Adele. It's like, you know, the blinds were removed because I realized, and, and I'll confess it, I realized how selfish I had lived my life. And it was, I realized that it was all about me. It was all about the money. It was all about getting, you know, the, the, what everyone is running after for in today's world. You want the nice car. You want the nice house, the nice job, the beautiful wife, the fantastic kids who speak, you know, who are fantastic English, like uh, they go to the King's College, you know, and things like that. And you want everything to tick a box. But you, you keep asking yourself, are you truly fulfilled? So now that marked my second or third uh, journey into in, in, into therapy and I'm not going to lie to you to, till today I'm living my best life like I shared earlier I, I am able to run at uh, I'm able to run at, at Karura Forest or which is the park depending on where you are at midday I, I'm able to ride my bicycle uh, on any given day of the week I swim and then on top of that I train people to do 
exactly that and i can see their lives transform um, a lot of people you know i joke and i tell people i don't train people for the money i tell people i train people to see their lives change because triathlon is a lifestyle change and i've seen what it has done for me because it, it it's forced me to be more disciplined it's forced me to to be more conscious of my health to be more aware of you know whatever is around me when i fuse that with my faith and my walk in faith and uh, i begin to realize and i think like i said in 2014 it's like you know the blinds were moved and I was like yo so I actually reached out to a lot of people that I felt I had slighted deliberately and uh, or should I say directly and indirectly you know I either wrote letters or I called you know I seeked them out and it was not about whether we're going to be like best of friends and stuff like that going forward but it was actually to say you know like I'm sorry and I came to realize that this is who I am when I look back it's like I was in a funk you know just trying to understand why am I doing what I'm doing. I according to me I had a beautiful girlfriend but I still wasn't happy. I had this job where one day uh, my boss stroke my mommy sending me to do a campaign in Uganda. I come back sleep two weeks you're going to Mombasa, we come sleep two weeks you go to Kisumu and you know if if you put that life on Instagram if you put it on Twitter I mean everyone is like yo man you know you got you're living good. But I just kept saying, why, why, why am I not happy? You know, and I, and I meet a lot of men and I, and, I, and I was there. So I can actually relate where you, you believe that when you get the, the million shillings, then life will be happy. When you buy this car, then life will be happy. And then you get it. And then you realize I'm not. So I panicked because I remembered the darkness of, of that episode. And, 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 and until today, I, I will never forget the scene of walking out of the hospital, bandages on my hands, and I looked into Silas's eyes and he told me, why didn't you tell me? And I think that disappointment, because it's like then, you know, you know that you have friends and you know you have brothers, but then it's then that it hits you. You know, they were there. They, they, they took the, the random bursts of, of madness uh, and things like that. Um, so, of course, I started triathlon um, again. Falgun came, we came, came back from South Africa and he was going to do this Ironman competition and, I mean, I was in PR and communication. I said I'll be his PR manager. And it was, for me, it was like to, to say thank you because now it's been, what, four or five years and, you know, you've reflected. Um, you can see what they've done for you. You can see what your friends, uh, what they had to put up with, arrogance and things like that. Maki, I've not gone for therapy now. So you can imagine the conversations we had post-2014. Like it was me, like, you know, just sharing. But I was cognizant of what, what they had done for me. But I was still searching for that meaning, that, that purpose and the like. And then that's when my, 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 my walk in faith started. Um, so one day I'm in bed, I'm sleeping, and, uh, and then I have this dream, and I start screaming, and uh, I feel like I'm burning, like I could feel. And how I know the dream was true that I was screaming was because the people in the house were like, dude, why were you screaming? Uh, and I woke up sweating, so I had this dream that... I was burning. I ran, scrummaged to the house, got a Bible, and then I went and I put it on my chest, and then I fell asleep till 9 p.m. 9 a.m. Sorry. And then from there, I I did the, I did a program called Man Enough, and they began to ask pertinent questions. Man Enough is this. Um, okay, let me let me put it into context. We live in a society where every day women complain that men are are not pulling their weight. And you'll allow me to speak from um, a, a personal point of view uh, because a, a lot of men act and react because either they were fathered well 
or they were not fathered at all. They had a father figure, a father who was present but absent, or a father who was just, you know, very present, very, very loving, and things like that. And and and, and you can tell that divide. So a lot of the people who are raised or born maybe 50s and 60s. I don't know why. It's like they're in the, it's like they're in the mafia. They have this code of silence. So they don't talk. They don't share. And now you can picture that that you you have a father or you have a mother who's not used to airing their feelings, not used to talking, not used to sharing and things like that. And then they give birth to children. They will transfer that way of thinking. When I looked back at my life and I saw maybe how I was raised and, and the impact it had, I began to realize a lot of the decisions that I had made were primarily because uh, my father was, he was in our lives, but I, he was not present per se. And, and those are things that we have tried to rectify now. Um, you know, we're consciously trying to talk at least once, twice, thrice a week and things like that. But that's going coming from a situation where you'd not even talk maybe for a month, two months, three months. And you realize there's a lot of bitterness, there's a lot of resentment. And Man Enough is now founded around that. And it's, it's a 12-week program that literally, again, like reshaped how I was viewing my life. Because now, like I started going to church, you know, and, you know, and, and praying and things like that. But again, I, I was in that space of trying to look for deeper meaning, trying to look for understanding. And then, boom, this program comes. It was the first time I saw men speak candidly. One of the biggest topics was um, sex and how are men introduced to sex, which was a very big eye-opener for me because you begin, you begin to think about things in a totally different light. But I think the one that shocked me the most was now what legacy do you want to leave and con coincidentally at that point in time my mentor had given me my mentor in church he gave me a book seven habits of highly effective people which i read at like every two years because it takes me like a year to read a book <laughs> i internalize Adele. ironically that point of um, legacy coincided with a point in Seven Habits of Highly Effective People where you're told to write your eulogy. He walks you into it. Um, Stephen Covey is, uh, was you know, a fantastic writer. He gave this descriptive, you know, you've gone for a funeral, you know, you see your wife, you see your mother, you see everybody, and then you're walking towards the casket, and then when you get to the casket, casket it's you. Now write what you want your people to say about you. So he says, Stop where the book is there. Stop. Then go and write. Mine took like many days um, because I was there, you know, oh, Michael was this, you know, he had a six pack, you know, he was still in his 70s, you know, still good looking, blah, blah, blah. All those superficial things. <laughs> but the more I wrote, uh, I, I, I began to realize that I want people to speak about how I impacted their lives. And then when you finish and it says when you've now finished with your eulogy, pack it and then now continue with the book. And he has one line after that. Now go and live the way you've talked. It's as simple as that. I remember there I said I want to be married. So, of course, if you're going to date, date with a purpose. Number two, you want to have two kids. So, at least we're now going to have children. You know, by my business colleagues, um, so I started talking about my triathlon and all these people that had impacted and, and how I, I changed people's lives. And I was like, huh. So, from then, I've been literally living that because um, also, I mean, Pastor Simon, during the Man Enough um, initiative, 
um, told us how many of you know your company vision and mission offered? Ah, all of us, yeah, to strive and create strategy and excellence, blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, how many of you have a vision and mission for your own life? So I created a vision, I created a mission. I mean, till today, my mission is to use my skills in public relations and triathlon to positively impact lives mm-hmm. while spread the, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ simple so and that's how I've, I've, I've done my best to live my life i know there are people sometimes who may listen to this podcast and be like mm, brav i think so yes have i had some dark spots <laughs> between 2012 and now yes another time i think i was two two three years into my triathlon journey of training but then a lot of people started gravitating towards me like can we train with you and things like that and me i just be that you know the kikuyu blood in me was not effective zero jalu of flossing all the time shika program created tech or oh, what is baba i've given you for free people buy this 150 dollars but here take free um and then I remember we went for a race in Watamu and the organizer actually gave me a special commendation because she said when they did the analysis, at least 40 to 50% of the people who came, when the funnel is done back, like Adele came because of Falgun, but Falgun came because of Mikey. So there was always a trickle back to, to Michael. And then I was like, hmm. Um, and then I went for another race in Gilgil and um, she's called Sue. Sue asked me, how do you convince eight people to do this madness? How? And I was like, okay. So I remember one day I was walking home. That's when I say I had no money because I didn't have money for bus fare. Um, so I was walking home and I met uh, my other friend. He's called Angelus. And we just bumped into each other on Gong Road. So even him, he was broke that day. And I was broke. And then we're just walking there in our brokenness. And we were going in opposite directions. And we met. We met outside the Shell petrol station on Gong Road, just next to Jiweke, for the guys who go there. That will give you benchmark so you can close your eyes and envision, you know, China Center, Jiweke, woohoo, turn up. And we stood there for almost one and a half hours just talking. And then I was like, yo, man, I'm feeling led, you know, to, to start this um, organization, you know, pull people for triathlon, do events, do trainings and things like that. And that came off the back, you know, what I'd been told in church. I had been talking to Simon, uh, Silas, my friend in, in, in SA, and he was like, Michael, you have so many ideas. Just choose one. I'm so tired. Every day is a new idea. I'm tired. Can't be reading proposals every day. You know I have a job. <laughs> So when you put that together and then now compounded by the desire to want to impact, it was not about the money. I was not making money then. Our company was in the red and we were doing our best to salvage it. But sometimes, you know, I always like to say when, when, it's, when it's time to close, it's time to close. Like that journey had come to an end. So I, I started training, guys. No fee and anything. I mean, because I used to train. I used to train in the morning. I used to train in the evening. So guys would come, blah, blah, blah. And then somebody started asking me, like, how much do you charge? And then I was like, because I not put it together. So we did, like, um, I think Angelus, myself, Silas, and the designer called Tony. So we came together. Uh, we created the name. Tony did the logo. And then, you know, he did three different logos. And then um, I said, let's start a team that speaks to what we are going to do. And that's now how I was like, try fit team. Then I was like, no. Then I was like, fit try team. Then I was like, no. <laughs> Definitely not. Then I was like, team, try fit. So it's a team that does triathlon and pushes fitness. And then everyone was like, yes, that's it. And then Tony did this amazing logo because it was just TTF. Nobody thought of, he's the one who actually came up with the concept of uh, abbreviating it. And I I vowed and I told, you know, I prayed and I thanked God. Um, Now, this was the hardest part, Adele. Remember, I work for my mom. (laughs) So 
your mom has sent you to university to uh, go and uh, study communication to come and take over her PR consultancy. And now you're telling her, so now I need to go and ride a bicycle for the rest of my life. So initially I tried, you know, like I tried to do both. Um, so I'd like train guys in the morning, then go to work during the day, then come and train guys in the evening. But I was so knackered. I was, I'll be like, I'll be so tired. But then every time I would go for the evening session, no matter how tired I was, once I got in, I, this ball of energy and I'm happy and I'm fulfilled and I'm seeing somebody tell me I couldn't deadlift or I couldn't run and I couldn't do this and I do this. Oh man, thank you. And this is changing lives, man. This is changing lives. You know, I started getting now requests from guys from as far as Windsor. Can we come and train with you? Thindigua, Runda. And I'm like, you want to come all the way to Impala? Why? Are you mad? So I was like, okay, you know, let's start this. Um, so, um, you know, the typical Kenyan way, you know, I mean, I think it's even an African way, maybe even a global way where you first operate in the shadows before you start paying tax. <laughs> so you, we operated in the shadow for some time. Like we had the brand name and everything. We're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook. And I remember I, remember I went and even bought this phone for like 40,000 so I can take pictures. And I was like, this is a company investment. This company must pay me back <laughs> the lies we tell ourselves it has never paid me back today and then you know i prayed about it uh and just i wrote an email to my mom and i was like hi you know like this is where i am and i feel that i've been put on this path and i would like to explore it and i please just give me your blessing and she was like it hurts but i give you my blessing if that's where you've you've you you, you want to go we now officially register officially registered the company and right now, we, uh, my youngest client is 11. My oldest client is 72. Uh, so, and every day, uh, I'm able to see the, the people that I work with, lives changing. And, and the friendships have formed, the, um, the, the bonds that have been formed, um, the business that we've done. Because now, ironically, I always like to say, yes, I'm a triathlon coach. But I like to focus, I like to coin it as sports PR with particular focus to triathlon, with particular focus to raising the profile of the sport and the participation of people in the sport. So um, we've been blessed that TriFit has gotten to that point where it's almost a household name in the in the triathlon industry in Kenya. I think now I, I feel like I found my purpose. I found my mission. I found my vision. I found my calling. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm with my clients on average five five times in a week. I mean, I have some clients who couldn't walk when they joined couldn't walk they could not walk and adele these are guys now who cycle from cycle 180 kilometers these are guys who run 21 kilometers i mean um, one of the one of my clients from where our gym is situated his first ever run when he started training with me was literally a trot for 400 meters so the day that he ran 21 kilometers showered changed and went to the office he was and for me now that's transformation like me for me that gives me fulfillment it, it gives me happiness because this we can make as much money as you want in the world adele i can tell you for free but seeing the smile on his face seeing the fact that you've taken somebody who had come from surgery could not walk properly had clots and things like that or somebody who believed that she needed to go for knee surgery and now is cycling 50 kilometers, running eight, nine kilometers, and being able to do squats with a bar 
on their back yet they needed to go for knee surgery seeing that every day is is my job easy no my you know so you have to wake up early sometimes you go to bed late um people will come and share with you some of their deepest darkest secrets and and fears and things like that and you have to walk with them but especially this year um ironically despite um the covid pandemic and 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 it hitting business i mean when when government gives statistics and says x amount of businesses how to close i realized we were in there in that statistic we were actually there because now we pay tax so yeah <laughs> they are like nil <laughs> no return <laughs> you begin to see the impact that you can make because now 70% of my clientele were like yes gyms are closed but what's the plan are you giving us you know and i was like yeah we're giving you home programs don't worry um i i i sent uh, for those who cycle a lot i sent turbo trainers to them developed running programs we do cycles on the weekends we even do on weekdays because now work was not being done and then there were no cars on the road i don't know about other countries but hey that was the first time i saw i cycled on kenyatta avenue which is the you know most important street at 9 am and there was no car none zero i was like hey just from that seeing people who were living sedentary lives maybe a year ago now telling you that they want to train irrespective of the covid pandemic so whenever i i look sit back yes it's been a long day you get home at 10 pm and you're like <sighs> but then you close your eyes and sometimes you want to cry because you're like you know what thank you thank you you know you get um, are there are hard days where you fight with clients yes it's just like every business there are days i disagree with my clients i have a different working style with a lot of people so maybe sometimes i don't i, I acknowledge that sometimes i don't come off as um, kind but because i always tell my clients uh, and my teammates and my athletes that there are so many demons that you're fighting and i'm proving to you that you don't need you you have the ability to withstand and overcome A triathlon is a very expensive sport um and it's a very lonely sport at the same time so sometimes you'll be on a bike and you're cycling 180 kilometers and then you get dropped it's a, it's maybe it's a bad day you're not able to keep up with the gang and then you get dropped at 120 so you're cycling 60 kilometers alone let me tell you adele all those demons that come into your head i'm not good enough i can't do this i should maybe i should give up why did i get myself into this in fact i spent uh 1500 on this bicycle maybe it was not worth it oh my god why did i make this decision like even this coach how can he just leave us he's just left me here alone now i don't even have water let me tell you the things i've heard because ironically those are when i used to train as a uh, as an aspiring athlete is the same things i used to tell myself you know i remember vividly there was one cycle i went i was taken because i didn't go out of will i was taken by force to kajado I cycled from Nairobi to Kajado and back Kajado for those guys who maybe are not well versed with how the 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 the, the atmosphere and landscape of Kenya is maybe about 90 kilometers out and then you have to come 90 kilometers back so now mark me mark you that time i'm a rookie ish and stuff like that so i'm used to cycling 40 50 kilometers so i'm like okay fine we are going where kajado whoo 90 kilometers wow we've gone i was left at 20 <laughs> left like left you know you hope you see guys in the horizon nothing and then i hit the proverbial wall where you know you you you're dehydrated sugar levels are low you start shaking and then i got to the spot where everybody were the turn the turning point there was a a, a nice uh, roadside kiosk in kenya we call them kibanda so i walked in and guys told me you have 7 minutes to eat refresh and we are going we need to be back in nairobi by 6 so i drank 
two cold fanta's, ate half a chapati and tried to wolf down some beans. Then started cycling back. Five kilometers into the cycle, I was done. I was done. I wanted to cry. I said, I'm going to quit cycling. I'm going to quit triathlon. If this is what it takes, I don't need it. And then I think one one guy in the group noticed. So he, he kind of stayed back. He's called Katana, Dr. Katana. So he was like, okay, let's go. So you can imagine he's a top tier. At that point in time, he was a top tier cyclist. But then now he has to slow himself to my pace. And mark you now, we have 85 kilometers back to Nairobi for 85 kilometers. So we've cycled, we've cycled, we've cycled. We got back onto the A104, which is now Mombasa Road. And then I get a puncture. And I was like, I'm done. I told him, I'm, 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 I'm taking public transport. I'm done. And then he's like, no. He removes his puncture kit. He removes his pump, fixes the puncture. I'm like, this, oh God, just get lost. <laughs> just get lost. Go away, please. Ironically, we made it home before dark. So a lot of the things that have happened in my life, I have tried to implement into my coaching life because I can now understand when a cyclist hits the proverbial wall. I know how it feels. I think the biggest, my biggest take home was live fully and live honestly and live openly. So sometimes I have to catch myself because there are days that it's a hard day, you're tired, maybe you maybe you almost want to lose it to the client who doesn't seem to be getting it and things like that. Um, and then you have to catch yourself because you remember that I'm living for a purpose. I want this person's life to be positive. When, when we part ways, I would like you to say that because of Michael, there was a change in my life. Catch more African stories in the next episode of Legally Clueless. I really like that story by Michael. We actually recorded it some point last year, I believe, at his gym where Team TriFit is based. And there was a point where people came in afterwards, like ready to start their evening sessions. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> I really need to get back to, I don't know, swimming or some fitness. I know I started swimming again and then I fell off, but I'm back to doing my morning squats. <laughs> so that counts for something. No, no, not so much. I really, really found that, that story to be quite inspiring. And I hope you enjoyed it as well. I have also slightly changed how you can be on the podcast. So in the description of this episode, there is a link to a Google form. If you want to share your story on Legally Clueless, fill out the Google form and I will be getting back to you. I mean, if you really want to still st send your story demos, you can do that. But sometimes it takes me so long to get back to you because the hotline gets so many messages. So the Google form will be a more efficient way. So if you really want to share your story on this podcast, just click the link in the description to the Google form, fill it out, and I'll definitely be getting back to you. The hotline, you can still send audio notes. If you hear something on this podcast that you resonate with, this is a community, not just for like a select few. <laughs> it's for all of us who are listening to this podcast. So you hear something, you resonate with it, or maybe you had a different experience. You have something you want to add on, just record an audio note and send it to the hotline number, which is plus 254-768-628-790. I want to thank you for creating this podcast it calms me down when i have anxiety and 
when I'm panicking about stuff <laughs> that I really shouldn't panic about and when I listen to you it makes me feel like I am not the only one. I've just listened to episode 74 of your podcast and it made me realize that I was a toxic friend at some point and my friend did something that I didn't really like and the way I handled that situation made me toxic and I feel like this podcast has made me feel the need to confront that and apologize properly and I really want to thank you. Oh, that is so awesome. Like that a story could actually help you figure out problematic behaviors that you have. It's always so hard calling yourself out. Maybe I'm the only one who struggles with that. <laughs> Especially with uh, stuff that requires you to apologize. Ugh. Now I've gotten a bit better, but it used to be so hard for me to apologize. Where? I think that was one of our first major issues in our marriage where internally, like in my head, I know it is I, I have wronged you here. I would do everything and anything except saying the words, I'm sorry, but we've managed to make a lot of progress in that area. So I know how that can be a bit hard. Very glad that a story could, you know, get you to do some introspection, you know? Also remember, we have the Legally Clueless video series still ongoing. I am so excited about that baby. Ah, we're doing such a good job such a good job so there's a link to it of course in the description of this episode because the episodes go out every friday on our youtube channel and the episode that's going out this friday being the 23rd is mercy's story i don't know if you remember in episode 88 mercy came on to this podcast in an audio episode and shared about being an unemployed graduate remember her story this one i am an unemployed kenyan graduate I had passed quite well because I had gotten an A minus. I remember procuring an insta fundi to do my dress for my graduation. It was the situation for what you order versus what you get. But that was a hard day because I was so used to being top of the class. Everyone is like, now you will get a job. Now that you have graduated, now you will get a job. First forward to March 2020, COVID-19 hits Kenya and I was deemed non-essential. March, April, my depression was kind of at bay because the whole world has shut down. So we are all the same. It feels like what I need now is to find a job. It's such a big deal that I have put my, my happiness on hold because I can't wait to get a job to be happy. You know me, I thought that the world owed it to me to get the job. So what's really awesome is Mercy reached out to me a couple of months after that episode aired and she was like, hey, I got a job. And we were just kind of like thinking through the video series. And I asked her, hey, would you want to be on the video series? It would be so nice to like tell your story and with this new updates you know we made it happen so i managed to actually meet her because i didn't know mercy before she just sent her story demo to the hotline and we recorded the story virtually so i'd never met her until we shot the legally clueless video series so her episode is going to be out friday the 23rd of april on our youtube channel i think it's one that very many people will identify with and there's so many gems of wisdom she drops so make sure on the 23rd 
you check out her episode. This podcast also plays on Trace Radio in Kenya. I've said that earlier. So head over to traceradio.co.ke to stream, but also to find a list of the Trace Frequencies in Kenya. The podcast plays there every Monday and Wednesday at 12 noon and 7 p.m. and on Fridays at 12 noon. And just like clockwork, my security guard, Akitisa Skari, has started blasting... (laughs) vernacular gospel music which is just so dramatic so this episode has got to end here that's it for this episode of legally clueless you can share this podcast with your friends you can keep it for yourself i'm not judging just make sure you're here next week for the next episode